House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. And now joining us for the interview, we have Anne Penn. Thank you for being here, Anne. Thank you for having me. So, Anne, before we get into your book, um, which we were talking about before the break, um, how did you get into writing and um, and about these sort of stories, these true crime and uh, killer stories out there? Well, it certainly wasn't something I actually had thought I would ever write about because this was a story that was kind of too scary for me um, because of the East Area Rapist who had come to Sacramento in 76, apparently. At least that's what the story is uh, told. Um, and I lived there and grew up there. I was born at Mayfair Air Force Base and, and was there at, at 19 to 21 when he was attacking all over Sacramento. I worked downtown, and so it was a really scary time. And uh, so that was one of the things that was, you know, terrifying as a young woman. And then uh, a couple of years later, um, there was a family connection that I had where two of the murder victims were my grandfather's um, son and his daughter-in-law. So it was sort of one of those things that I kept sort of in the back of my mind sealed off for years and years because it was I had uh, some post-traumatic stress over how horrific that particular story was and uh, was always afraid of sliding glass doors and just all the stuff that happened when the East Area Rapist was terrorizing Sacramento. Um, and, and I was fortunate not to be harmed then, but he hit about a minute away from my apartment off of Piedmont and Seamus, which was one of the last attacks before he was supposed to have left Sacramento. So that, in a nutshell, <laughs> hmm. is how the stories were um, sort of tucked away in my own uh, fear and I wanted to address that fear uh, and also to try to help maybe discover who did this in Sacramento uh, because they had finally tied them together. And since I grew up in Sacramento, I started asking people I went to high school with, I said, did you know him? Does he sound like somebody you know? And that kind of thing. So it just sort of happened, uh, and, and I uh, was writing a different book completely, and I just I thought, I need to address this. I'm not getting any younger. I need to stop letting fear get in my way. Hmm. Well, yeah, you must be approaching 30 by now, right? Or <laughs> oh, at least, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so now, now the new book, uh, or the newest book, I believe, uh, What If? And it's the story of possibilities during his reign of terror, uh, the true story behind the 58-year hunt for the man with the most monikers. So um, how did you get involved with Zodiac now um, from Golden State Killer? Well, once again, it's one of those things that just, uh, it's where the story led. And I, I was probably more surprised than some people that I ended up where I ended up. Um, the intent originally, you know, it's interesting as I wrote a book that I got out last year because people kept asking me, well, what do we know about the, the um, Golden State Killer? what's, you know, going on with that, and so on. And so I sent out a book last year called The Creep Among Us because I had known he was in Sacramento and predicted that's where we would find him in my first book. And I had profiled him myself and studied him and, uh, you know, worked with Larry Crompton 
uh, on, you know, different things and, and, you know, met with them. And, and so, long story short, I ended up with these two books out there. First, I was trying to help find them and honor the victims. And then also, the second one was just to sort of inform people, you know, that what other murders might be committed, you know, what's, what's going on. So, the third one, <laughs> um, was sort of like, people kept coming to me saying, well, you know, why don't you write about what we're finding? And, and I was also, still, of course, investigating myself because I am a very curious person. So I checked uh, into what other murders that might have occurred, just like a lot of sleuths have over time. There's a lot of people who have thought, you know, there were Placer County, which is in uh, the area that he was a cop, um, Sacramento County, and just different areas around where he had been the Easter egg rapist and also where he lived for 30 years in the attack zones. And so we, we kept checking, and um, that's what my main focus was at the time I began this particular book, was just to see, could we tie him to other murders? Are there other, you know, victims' families out there that would uh, be happy with finding answers at this late date? And so that was really how the, this book started. And as you follow the evidence and you follow uh, the patterns, you follow you know, different things that, that occurred. Um, you go back in time because this is a guy who started as a teenager. Well, when was he a teenager? He was 15 in 1960. He was 18 in 1963. And um, as you follow the, the trail, it's sort of like, oh, my God, this is worse than I expected. So that's how this happened. Uh, so now with, uh, with the um, Golden State Killer, um, I, do you, now, so you believe that they've got the right guy for that, right? I do, 100% okay. DNA match. Uh, you know, I always say alleged because he has to. He hasn't been convicted in a court of law. But 100% DNA match, uh, you know, with, with all the different crime scenes that he left his DNA, uh, you know, 13 murders, it doesn't uh, give you much room to wiggle out of it. Oh, uh, now I, I okay. So, so now I'm a complete amateur when it comes to this, um, as far as Zodiac and Golden State Killer and things like that. I've had a few interviews with people and and touched off and stuff, but I'm I'm more just the the interviewer. So, but the first thing that I think of um, with the Golden State Killer was that they did catch him through DNA. You know, the the whole system that they worked out. Now, so with that DNA. Were they able to find a DNA match for the Zodiac murders to match um, D'Angelo as well? No. No. Um, from from every report I've heard, they attempted to, and they were not able to get a good enough DNA uh, profile or sample profile, any you know anything to be able to rule them in or out. I kept waiting for that to occur because. Um, back in 2014-15, one of the first things I did was look at the uh, Zodiac as possibly being the East Area Rapist Golden State Killer just because of the geography involved and the fact that um, he seemed like he was military and or could be a, a police person. And, and I looked at it briefly, uh, not very in-depth really at the time, because I thought I really want to get on this East Area Rapist stuff and try to figure out who he is. And when I read about um, 
some of the things that the Zodiac, you know, like the most dangerous game, I read the book, and I checked into them, and I thought, I was hoping, this is why I discarded the idea early on, is because I was hoping that the man who was the Golden State Killer, as they renamed him, was younger. I, I was hoping he was younger uh, because I wanted, if they found him, for him to be punished longer. And also, <laughs> um, I just thought he was, the, the Zodiac had to have been, um, he would have been somebody that was too young to be the same guy. I was off by about five to eight years in my estimation. So I, I dropped that and went after investigating, um, you know, full-time into East Story Rape, uh, original Night Stalker is what we called them then. So, mm. I got so, back to it just because of the evidence. Yeah. Okay. So um, then, let's let's talk about that. What what was the first thing that drew you back to D'Angelo well, and the Zodiac? Because um, at first you were saying no, well, you looked at it and said no, and so you went yeah, back to it. So right. what do you, what do you think? Well, um, what. A- heard was in investigating and seeing what kinds of things um, this person was doing. And, and again, this is stuff that so many years later you cannot prove that somebody was the person who poisoned dogs. You cannot prove that he was the burglar who broke in everywhere. But what you can see are patterns of behavior geographically, chronologically. And you can see whenever there were dog poisonings and killings and, and that kind of thing, there were also burglaries. And so you could see these clustered attacks, and then someone would hit there and move on to someplace else, and you'd see the same thing happen in another geographical area where they killed dogs, and they did the recon, and then they did their burglaries, and they went on from there. And there were also other crimes occurring at the same time, like peeping and prowling and, you know, just sort of malicious mischief stuff even, Um, you know, and even trying to kill a police son's dog and different things like that. Um, just games that this person was playing. And you can see patterns over time and also in each geographical area that were ties to, um, or possible ties uh, or connections to D'Angelo. So you can see it. And, and, you know, like I said, if you look at it over time, which is, you know, a lot of what I put in the book, he began doing that and sort of was able to morph from the beginning to the end into whatever he felt like. You know, this is a guy who, this is a guy who really uh, liked to screw with the cops. He liked to play games, and he did that very well. Now, did do we know if uh, D'Angelo lived in San Francisco or closer to that area? Well, there are ties to um, his, his father was stationed at Hamilton Air Force Base, and he knew in Van Nuys and Vallejo in that area. Um, the Presidio, San Francisco. Um, so he could have gone in that direction with his own family member. Um, and he certainly, if he lived in Auburn or in the Sacramento area, he went to Folsom High School, he had to have traveled around California and Northern California. And the geography is one of the things that I think is most important in proving where he was and, and how he did what he did. Okay, so now what, what do you think is the most compelling thing or the thing that convinced you uh, about D'Angelo? Well, one, you know, with the connections, as you go back and back and back and you find out, you know, different things about the Zodiac and then pre-Zodiac activity, um, 
what was interesting to me, and this is what's happened with a lot of the people who look at Zodiac and then there's other people who look at Golden State Killer and they, they look at them as completely separate, which, which we all did really for a million years. We didn't know who the Golden State Killer was. So you look at them separately and that's what we continued to do, never really linking them. And then pretty soon with enough evidence you go, oh my God, is this the same guy? And, and it was the same thought that not only I had, but a lot of people had. Uh, because the geography really does tell a lot about where this guy came from and where he went. Um, and, again, his his travels, he liked to drive and hit places and drive some more and hit again. There are instances where he would, on the same day, within a 12-hour period, go from one place and hit and then go somewhere else and hit. So, you know, it was not unusual to think that a two- or three-hour drive would, de- you know, deter him. So if you go all the way back to 1963, where you see the murders of um, Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards down on uh, Gaviota Beach, you know, and then they think later on, years later, gee, they might be tied to the Zodiac. He might be pre-Zodiac activity. And there's just all this evidence that you find. And then there's other murders that happen after that. And there are couples each time. Um, the similarity is D'Angelo was killing couples over time as well, and that was his objective. So there's just a lot of similarities in the two as far as their motives, as far as what they did geography-wise. I can connect him to um, Santa Maria at that same time in 1963. Um, so there's a lot of evidence that actually connects him to an area like Riverside, California, um, Whittier, um, it just goes on. So, uh, just so, so when you say connects him, um, what, what exactly do you mean? Like he was there? You you got some sort of papers to show that he was there? Or? Correct. That he had relatives in each area geographically. That he was able to do what he did and have a place to go. And if he decided to leave an area, like, for instance, a lot of the murders that happened on the beach, 1963-64, all of a sudden stopped. Why? Because he went in the Navy. So you can fit the timelines easily, and I have yet to find um, any kind of an opportunity where he wasn't available. In other words, um, a lot of people go, well, he couldn't have killed Sherry Joe Bates because he was on a ship. Well, he was docked. He wasn't out to sea. He was docked, and he was not on the roster that shows the Canberra left. So there's a lot of things that it's like, oh, well, wait a minute. He really was available for that. So that if that's pre-Zodiac and if that's him, he was available for that murder as well, and he has connections to Riverside. So you believe that D'Angelo may be the suspect in the Bates case in Riverside? I believe that if he is also the Zodiac, that yes. Because I, I was going to ask, there's DNA in the Bates case that can be tested. Um, they have and, they have some DNA from hairs that were found in her hand, and that was apparently right. used about, I don't know, 20 years ago to exclude a, a suspect that they've had for years, or at least the DNA didn't match. So it is possible that they could right. check that DNA against D'Angelo's DNA. You would, you would hope, yeah. And I kept, like I said, I kept waiting. In the back of my mind for the last year plus, you know, when they arrested D'Angelo, I kept thinking, well, 
sooner or later they're going to either rule him in or rule him out. I was kind of waiting for an announcement of some sort. Meanwhile, I was still looking into what murders he may have committed in Placer County and around this area, you know, to see what, what I could see and what the patterns might be. And once again, the M.O. that this guy had, everybody goes, oh, they're whole different, to- totally different characters. They're totally different uh, M.O.s. But here's the thing. Joseph D'Angelo is probably the most at ease of anybody I've ever seen. And I've studied serial killers since 1980 and, you know, all the different ones, Gacy and the Green River Killer and on and on. I started with Ted Bundy. But what you do is, <clears throat> with, with this particular one, with this with D'Angelo and what he did, and because he was smart enough to outsmart everybody, really, uh, for a very long time, and he had a criminal justice degree, and he was a cop, he had studied how to be a better criminal. So what he did was change his M.O. whenever he wanted to, and I always say that his M.O. was fluid and moved back and forth, and that's because he really wasn't tied to any one way of killing um, and he also would go back and forth between killing couples to killing a woman alone. He, there were abductions. There were, you know, murder scenes that were in vehicles. There were murder scenes that were in homes. So, it's you know, he was more fluid and able to change what he did and liked to, to you know, play games with the cops from the beginning. What's interesting about, um, and, and there's a lot more to it than, than even what is in this book, because you can't, if you write a book that's in great, great detail about, everything that you find that's because I'm one of those people that pick stuff apart piece by piece and I look at everything in great detail and some of the connections that he had um, even in Riverside there there was the uh, raceway there and he, he had mechanical abilities he, um, he he just has a lot of the same kind of qualities that and, and also the th- things he said were the same in um, when he committed crimes, things he said to the victims. I mean, there are just so many things that were similar. There's more similar things about the two than there are differences. Um, just because what do you mean exactly? I'm sorry, I just wanted to, what do you uh, mean well, exactly about what he said to the victims? Well, for example, he, he was like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, like everything will be okay. I just need your money or your car keys. I need to get to Mexico or I need to get to Bakersfield or different things he would say to the victims were identical and then and make them think that he wasn't going to hurt them. Uh, the way he hogtied them, the same way, uh, leave them on their bellies like that. Same thing. If you, if you really study the Golden State Killer cases and you look at what the Zodiac did and how he treated his victims, what he said to them, it's really the same way. Uh, for example, even the, even the things he wrote to the newspapers, um, one of the things he sent in, it said, see you in the news, exclamation point. And if you look at the Easter Area Rapist, when he was uh, running amok, he wrote Excitement's Crave. Uh, they both wrote, like, poems to the news. And he said, see you in the press or on TV. And um, there's just a lot of things that he said that were the same. And one of the things I thought would be a great um, forensic tool is to uh, use the forensic linguistics to find out uh, if he, the letters that he wrote or the things that he has written over time, if you can prove through that if it's the same guy, like with grammatical patterns or just how he spoke. Um, it's, a, it's really cool evidence to try to solve it, you know, to use that kind of forensics uh, in addition to whatever else they can 
find, you know, because um, mm. they haven't been successful in finding the DNA for the Zodiac. You know, and, and me, again, me being coming from an amateur, I'm going to be like the listener here. Um, do, you, do you know or understand why then when he was acting as the Zodiac, if he was, what was with the outfit and the name and, and that whole thing that came with Zodiac as compared to how he was with Golden State? Like, that was quite a, a difference there. Well, he, so, still, he, yeah. he still had his little outfit. I mean, he had a, um, in both cases, I mean, he'd right. just gotten out of, think about uh, D'Angelo. Uh, let's just pretend that we know for a fact he was Zodiac. Um, the, the reality is, is he gets out of the service, and just a few months later, uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, he's the Zodiac, and he has this outfit by the time he gets to Berryessa. And, and and if you look at D'Angelo and what he did over time, he, he stole wigs, he used disguises, he also used um, every conceivable trick in the book, a mustache, no mustache, he gained weight, he lost weight, he used his left hand, he used his right hand. He did everything in, in the world to change whatever his description was. And and that's really, um, you know, when he was starting off as, as Zodiac, he liked to, you know, I don't know if he was reading, what he was reading on the Navy ship or what he was doing, but he had plenty of time to prepare to do what he did from 1968, 69, and 70. Hmm. And he it also just, knew it, when to move on. Right. It just seemed more elaborate, that's all. It seemed more thought out. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, well, he was younger. Run. I mean, think about it. He was yeah. he was 23 versus when he was uh, the other MOs and the other uh, monikers. He was um, older, so he he did change it up over time, and you know that's not surprising. I just I just wonder if he's even going to live through this. Um, he, yeah, me know, too. <laughs> yeah, he look, he, well, he looks pretty frail when they show him on. Uh, on TV, and I don't know if that's an act or not. Because yeah, most of it seems to be an act. I saw Paul Holes, the uh, Golden State Killer investigator, talking about how he thought it was an act and how they had just observed him riding a motorcycle and behaving perfectly normally. And then when he gets in court, all of a sudden he's turned into a you know rickety old man in a wheelchair and he's you know, talking in his soft voice. I think they probably medicated voice. him, too. Well, that's also medicated him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because yeah, he hit his head. I think he banged his head on purpose when he was arrested on some wall or something. Mm. But, um, yeah, he's a lot thinner now, but that's a year and a half later now. And, oh, yeah. But yeah. what I'm told, what I was told a year ago was, because I asked the same thing, I said, do well, you think he's going to you know, live to go to court? And they said um, that he is exercising in there. He's, you know, don't let him, his loss of weight, you know, fully. The food's not that great in there. So he's probably pretty strong still. Well, I'm glad that he turned out to be younger so that he can be punished longer. And if he's not the Zodiac and they do ever catch the Zodiac, I hope that he gets to spend some time in prison too. So it's nice to see D'Angelo. He might already be in there. Yeah, but if if it's not D'Angelo, I hope they catch Zodiac too. But even if whatever we do, D'Angelo is obviously deserving of where he is right now, and I hope he gets to spend a long time there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, his mom was to be 87, so we could, you know. Mm. So, so what do you think, what, what's, what's your next move? Uh, you've got the book out, and uh, you're starting to uh, 
move forward. So what do you kind of got planned next? Where are you going to go with this now? Well, like I said, I'm, I'm just trying to um, focus on trying to let the appropriate people um, look at some of the murders I have listed in the back of the book. There's a couple in particular that really um, I, I really piqued my interest. Um, one of the things that Zodiac did and also D'Angelo, in my opinion, and he also proved it, is he would call from a phone booth or somewhere close by the police station. And D'Angelo, um, he liked to sort of taunt police also. He did stuff right in the backyard of the Auburn Police Department. And one of the murders that happened was in 2003 where the young lady was left about a block away from the Auburn Police Department on the, in the bushes off the sidewalk. And, um, and that was, you know, a long time after the Golden State Killer supposedly stopped. Uh, but he was still there in Auburn area, Auburn Folsom. Uh, he lived right there in the attack zone, and there was nothing to stop him for all those years. There were a couple of murders in Granite Bay, Granite Springs, uh, and also um, in, in the, they'd never found the, the murderer, a couple of ladies that were teachers. Um, you know, so, so it's just sort of like, okay, um, wh- what do you do with this information? What does this look like? And so you give it to the proper authorities, you know. Hmm. So you think he did a lot more than than what he's in jail for now, as well as Zodiac. You think he's sort of done a lot more murders? I do. Hmm. One of the things that Zodiac warned everybody at the end, of, you know, after the Paul Stein murder, is he said, "I'm not going to announce my kills anymore. They're going to look like accidents or, or, you know." Uh, revenge or, you know, he, he used every kind of way to kill, and he liked to start fires. And I found evidence of that as well. So, um, as the Golden State Killer. And the day that he was arrested for shoplifting or cited for shoplifting, I went looking for an article of some sort anywhere to see what kind of activity happened and what rage he might be in because he was a cop and he was arrested for shoplifting in the attack zones off of Greenback in 1979. So you look through the archives in 1979 around the area, and lo and behold, there's an article in, um, that a house was burned to the ground in Penryn, California, which is right down the street, really, down the freeway from Auburn. And there had been items taken out of the house. They could tell after it was arsoned that there had been things stolen, and um, it was burned to the ground. And, and the thing that, it, it was in the same town that Bonnie Caldwell's family lived, and it was on Caldwell Street. And so he liked to play games with names and with people. And uh, so I'm pretty sure that he had something to do with that. <laughs> hmm. Wow. So, so what do you, now, when people pick up your book, and they read it, what is the most important thing, or what is it that you hope they come away with after they've read the book? Just to be open-minded, that, that um, one of the things that, you know, the serial killer term didn't even happen until the 70s, I think, is when it first showed up, and, and we've been learning about what they do and what they don't do, and what people do is, rather than having an open mind and thinking that a perpetrator like this can... Uh, change or do something different over time, um, 
having an open mind is probably the best way to look at reading this information and then saying, hmm, what do I think? What do I think? Does this, you know, I've made a case here. I've shown um, information and, and evidence and ties and, you know, all kinds of information is in there. What do I think about this? And, and some people will walk away and go, nah, it's still, I don't believe it. It's not him. He's, a, he's not the same guy. But then there are those who will go, huh, maybe it is. And, and the reality of it is um, we need to find the answers, and that's really what people need to go away with is, you know, even no matter what he did or didn't do, whether he's Zodiac or Golden State Killer and what he did during that time frame, the reality is is that serial killers don't stop. They start and they never stop until they're incarcerated or dead. And so what happened in the case of D'Angelo he started at the age of 15 to 18 years old in his criminal career, and he was not stopped for 58 years. How many other people did he kill? How many other people did he hurt? And what did he do over time? And if we can help families who have murdered family members or people who were harmed by him find answers, then what we'll get is maybe people who will feel a little bit more like law enforcement ones, all the way to, to the end to find the answers for them because they deserve them. After all this time, they deserve to know who killed their family member. And their, well, you, you know, could count me. I'm sorry, I didn't We're mean to interrupt that? you. Go. I was going to say, I, okay. you can count me among those skeptics, but I also am open to the idea. I have no suspect mm-hmm. and no vested interest in any particular suspect. I really don't care. Right who the Zodiac turns yeah. out to be as long as he's identified. So if someone comes up with a good yeah. theory with information, I'm certainly open to that. Right. And the reality is is that when I first showed up with my first edition book, my my um, take on it was different than what other people had. And, and that was, um, you know, that he didn't live in the attack zone. I thought the geographical profile was wrong. I said, I don't think he lives there. I think he's in a different county. And... So if somebody comes to the table with other, you know, an open mind and a different way of looking at things, maybe we can figure it out. And that's pretty much how I got to what if he's a Zodiac, because the reality is, is I think he is. And, and I, you know, I, 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 say the, I should say the alleged Zodiac killer, because, you know, that's what the evidence showed me. I can't fathom that, um, you know, that people can't or won't see it. So, but that's just because I have had my nose in this investigation for quite some time, along with other people that I worked with. And uh, Dr. Sue Barrett was one of them, and then a, a gentleman named Polly that I um, tried to put his name on the cover. And he said, no, no, I don't want to be on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> so I've credited him in the back of the book as he asked me to. So, um, you know, there are other people who really think he could be the Zodiac as well. And does, this, does that kind of... Um scare you or make you feel okay? Like, do you have a fear from um, doing these kind of books and research? Certainly. That would be why I use pen names. However, I was I was actually advised to use one. I started to write my first book with my own name and was told maybe that wasn't such a great idea since he was still out there somewhere. Well, now he's been locked up. And, um, you know, you need to be careful who you talk to and what you do, but... Um, you know, justice is uh, needed in these cases. And, of course, we all want to solve this case. We want to solve who these people were 
you know, even if it's 50 years old, you know, don't you want an answer? I do. Yeah, well, we're recording this on October 10th, right? And tomorrow is the 50th anniversary of the Zodiac's last known murder. So I think that right. we're well overdue for some answers. And I also think that, you know, when it comes to D'Angelo, one of the things that I'm really interested in hearing about, and maybe you could cast some light on this, but I know no one knows for sure what's going to happen, but he's obviously resisted confessing to this, and, and he, while he hasn't come right out and said, I didn't do it, he's certainly not cooperating. Do you think that it's, because obviously they have the evidence against him in the Golden State Killer case, the DNA, as you said, is, right. you know, it's like what they said to BTK. There's really no way around that DNA. There's no explanation for why his DNA would be in a murder scene. So it's obvious that it's him, and he should know that if he's smart enough. So you do you think that he, Zodiac or not, do you think that he is resisting confessing to this and maybe getting a lighter sentence, or you know, he's still going to spend a long time in prison? But do you think that's because he thinks he has a, a, a legitimate way of fighting this, or is it more about the psychology and the embarrassment you know some of the things that the golden state killer is accused of doing are so heinous his behavior is so bizarre you know there's even you know ridicule of the size of his genitalia in the books that i've read um do you think he's embarrassed about all this and do you think that he'll ever admit to any of it no i don't think so i don't think he's embarrassed really i don't think he um uh will ever admit to anything i also think that he doesn't care um, he doesn't care what people think of him. I think he feels that he had power and control, which he did. He terrorized communities for 58 years, and he was in charge of that. And so, no, I don't think he, he will admit to it, not not at all. And if he ever did, because they're seeking the death penalty. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, that may take another who knows how many years to get to. Because I always the think there's a part of him that would want to gloat about it. You know, that's just, you know, that's what I think sometimes when you look at the way that he behaved as he seemed so brazen, so reckless, you know, he was so um, calling people and doing all kinds of crazy things. I wondered sometimes if there isn't a part of him that wants everybody to know that it's him and wants to revel in that. But at the same time, like you say, the, the death penalty is on the table. So even the slightest admission. He's already gotten what he wants, which is he... You know, he's he got recognized away for all of the things that he did, and he got away with it for a lifetime. Yeah. And so the stories that will be told and, and all the stuff that will continue to be said about him, he already has gotten what he wants. So, so you know, whether he ever confesses or not, it doesn't really matter. But um, the reality is, is they have the DNA. So, um, no, I don't think he's embarrassed at all because he had power and control and he was in charge. And he really did, what, what's the word, bamboozle law enforcement and communities for his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And he was allowed to. Uh, he was allowed to be free all this time. And, and you're, when you said that, um, you know, all the brazen, horrible things he did, he did it as every persona and every moniker that could be attached to this man. He did it. If he was a Zodiac, if he was the Golden State Killer, no matter the Norwalk rapist, he he did the same kinds of behaviors over and over, but he changed it up enough, and he went to different jurisdictions, and he knew that they wouldn't talk to each other, and that's how he was allowed to be free all these years. You know, one question: Do you think he had any um, assistance from any other people 
uh, throughout this whole long span of killing and, and torturing and all the things he did to people? That's a question that I won't answer because it's um, one of the things that law enforcement will have to let people know, I guess, um, if that's something they find. Um, but no, I, I, I can't speak to that. I have opinions, but I, I, I can't do that. <laughs> well, the Golden State Killer in several cases, and you might know more about this than I would, Ann, but there are several instances where when he was in a house with victims and he was tying them up and assaulting them where he made comments where he tried to make it seem like he was with someone else. He said, I had a buddy and a buddy waiting for me out in the car or, or acted like he was talking to another person. One victim, I think, even said that they heard what they thought were two different voices. Um, he really tried to mislead people and try to, right. whether he was with someone or not, he certainly wanted to stew that confusion. Right. Well, in, in my last book, one of the stories in there from Dr. Barrett is that um, a gentleman came into her home in 1983 and stood at the end of her bed and contemplated whether or not to do something. Um, she was lucky because the perpetrator was scared off by a call to the police, and um, he left, but he did come back with a, another person. Uh, there were two people. Mm. So, you know, and I mentioned that in my first book also that, that you know, there were times when people described two people. Uh, but, again, you know, that's, again, up to law enforcement to figure that out. But, um, and wasn't there one case where a guy caught him in a backyard and he put his hands up and then he called out to someone like, hey, they caught us or something like that? I seem to remember reading that in Michelle McNamara's book recently most likely yeah that's that's yeah that's the kind of stuff he did yeah he he was pretty good about um trying to confuse everybody and one of the things in one of my last books was about an episode of dexter where um you know the criminalist named dexter he's the guy who's really the serial killer right and kills other killers right and he's trying to confuse law enforcement when they're thinking that you know the bait was a bait it's the Bayshore Butcher, I think it was what he was called. But um, he, he wrote a manifesto, like, you know, how um, the Unabomber wrote a manifesto and different people, you know, have serial killers have written to ETK. law enforcement yeah. media. Yeah. And and the reality is is that one of the reasons they do that is to try to play games with you and, and you know, mess up the way you think. And, and in the Dexter episode, they said when that happens, you know, they, they realize that law enforcement knows that that's one of the things that, that can be done to confuse law enforcement. And so they go, gee, maybe he has law enforcement background, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is he's just trying to screw with everybody and um, trying to make him think something other than, you know, he's trying to make him think what he wants him to think. And he knows so they have really to check it out. He knows they have to go right. investigate it. So it takes up all their time like, and resources. Like, yeah, it's like you know the thing with the bombs that he, the the scares that he had with the uh, zodiac. Uh, that, I think that was completely um, bogus, and a lot of people will think that you know he was the Unabomber, but the reality is is he really never did that, and uh, he did you know the um, Angelo did have some experience I think on his Navy ship with different types of things like that. So you know there's just a lot of stuff that's coincidental or the same. Um, and um, if you read the book and find out the details of what I'm trying to convey, and I really did try to make it as simple as possible to show sort of a show and tell, here's what was found and here's what, you know, 
what was going on, and this is where D'Angelo was um, geographically and time-wise, then you can see um, the connection. So now do you have a, a website or a place that people can go and get information or find out about you? Well, I do have just a blog that I have. It's, it's just to post information about different um, crimes that have occurred or DNA information and the things that are going on with um, the case. <clears throat> Over time, I've had it for a few years. It's uh, Pen at WordPress. And then if anybody wants to reach me, they can send me an email at mpen13 at gmail. Um, but I do uh, have a new Facebook page, but we're, we're trying to work on things that were unsolved. But um, yeah, mainly, like I said, I, I started doing this just to try to get some answers and to try to um, get over being so afraid of a ghost. Fantastic. Well, what we're going to do is we'll have your book up on our uh, website as well, so people that are listening live or in the, uh, on the app can just do one click and pick up the book. So, um, mm -hmm. I, again, our guest has been Ann Penn, and the book is What If, Golden State Killer, um, Zodiac Solved. Um, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the conversation. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.